the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, broadcasting from my office in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. If you're familiar with San Jose, uh, I'm on Ross Avenue near Hillsdale Avenue in, as I indicated, Cambrian Park. Some good news for the Bergman household. Um, After the show last week, my daughters uh, were informed that they had been accepted to the high school that they wished to go to. Very happy. So I want to give a shout-out to Notre Dame High School in downtown San Jose. And uh, that's where my daughters will be attending in the fall. We're both uh, uh, we're very excited about that, my wife and I and my girls. And uh, I think they're going to get a good education there. Um, love the school. I love their mission. They want to build. Um, they want to build women of the future, women of impact, and that's what I am hoping that my daughters will become, women of impact that make a difference in the world. I want to let you all know this is the last show of uh, March of 2022, and uh, we don't have that much longer. Uh, basically, about three weeks until the deadline to get in signatures on the petition to recall the second half of Proposition 19. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know about a month ago, I had the Vice President of Communications for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association on my show, and we talked about the proposition they're trying to get on the November ballot to repeal the section of Proposition 19 passed in November of 2020 that actually makes it much more difficult and in some cases impossible to pass on real estate from a parent to a child either during life or at death without triggering a reassessment of some or all of the property taxes for the property. This will likely end up with a number of families Uh, losing investment portfolios that have been built up by parents for maybe several decades. It will also involve some families not being able to keep the family home because the value is too high and they cannot afford the increased property taxes that are likely uh, going to be there for them. A family would not be able to keep a family home uh, and use it as a rental temporarily 
until such time as uh, a family member wanted to return to the Bay Area here and move into that family home. Instead, uh, they will be severely limited and um, basically, in many cases, a family legacy will be destroyed by Proposition 19. So if you want to get more information, go to the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. That's hjta.org.org. Click on the button at the top of the website that says Repeal the Death Tax, and you can find out more about this initiative to go on the ballot. Now, I just signed up this week to become a distribution point for petitions. So I'm waiting for uh, a first batch of 50 petitions to arrive at my office here on Ross Avenue in San Jose. Um, I don't know when they will arrive. I may go ahead and put a a note up on my website that they have arrived. I ask that if you would like to come by to pick up a petition, that you call my office first to make sure I'm here to do that, or send me an email uh, at rpb at lawbob.com indicating you'd like to come by. Each petition has room for six uh, six registered voters' signatures and information. They also they all have to be registered voters uh, in Santa Clara County, as I understand it, for the petitions that I will be uh, handing out. And uh, I may eventually just put them in a little uh, hopper, almost like a like a mailbox outside of my office, so you could come by any time of the day or night and pick up as many petitions as you need. The uh, the association needs to gather about one and a half million signatures on these petitions because they then need to make sure they can get at least one million valid registered voter signatures in order to qualify to get this proposition on the ballot in November. So um, I should be updating my website once I actually have possession of the first batch of petitions. If I run out of petitions, I will order more from Howard Jarvis. You'll be able to see if you come to my office at 3535 Ross Avenue, Suite 308. I'm getting a banner from Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association that I will hang on the railing of the building in front of where my office is. So if you arrive at that location, look around and see if you see the banner. I don't know exactly what the banner looks like, but I suspect that it has big enough letters that it'll be easy to identify what it is. Now, I'm going to uh, jump into the show today with my usual format of uh, questions and comments from around the state of California. So without further delay, I'm going to jump right in. All right. So here's a question out of San Diego that just came out yesterday. My younger sister and I lived with my dad in his home when he passed in 2018. I paid 400 for my room. My sister did not pay rent because she was my dad's caregiver before he died. Dad did not have a will, but he has three daughters that should have split in the sale of his home. I recently found out the home sold for $365,000 in 2018. 
in April of 2020. Dad owed about $187,000 on his home, so $178,000 minus fees and commission was the net profit. My youngest sister took everything and did not tell us the house was sold. This was in Escondido, California. Do I have a case? Well, if there was no will, it sounds like it would have had to go through probate and and uh, in order to sell the property unless the younger sister was on the title as a joint tenant with the father. And I don't know how you would have found out that the property w- was sold almost a year ago um, and not known about it when it was sold if it went through probate. So there's something kind of bizarre here. Um, whether the person has a case to go after the younger sister or not, hardly, hard to tell from uh, what um, from the information that's provided. There's really not enough information. But I would suggest that uh, in the usual case, there might very well be some kind of issue that could be raised by this person. So uh, so it, it is likely that um, they uh, can raise some kind of issue. Okay, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I will continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. Uh, I want to urge you that if you haven't yet uh, downloaded or obtained your petition from the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association uh, in order to get the repeal of Proposition 19 on the ballot, that you go to their website at hjta.org and request one to be mailed to you. So when we come back after the break, we'll have more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the show. So before the break, I, I mentioned the, um, the proposition they're trying to get on the November ballot to repeal uh, the second half of Proposition 19, um, which was passed in November of 2020. Go to the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, hjta.org. Click on the button at the top of their website, and uh, you can find out more about that proposition. If you're a homeowner and you have kids that you want to pass your property on to here in California, or you have rental properties that you'd like to be able to pass on to your children here in California, uh, you really need to look into this uh, this repeal effort uh, the initiative they're trying to get on the ballot in November. Uh, everyone that has a child that they want to leave their home to or their rental properties to should be signing this initiative to get the proposition on the ballot. Um, and I won't say any more about that today, but uh, again, um, that's something that you really need to do and get your family and your friends, anyone who owns a homeowner, they don't have to own a home here. Uh, Get your kids involved, your adult children. As long as they are, uh, they're registered to vote here in California, they can have a say in this law and you want to get them uh, together as well. 
Okay. Here we go. Uh, it says, a house was intended to be given to a beneficiary by the settlor of a trust. Um, the beneficiary was not available when it was intended to be distributed due to no fault of the beneficiary. The settler was concerned that the trustee could use the power of sale over the property before the beneficiary's release. It sounds like the beneficiary was incarcerated at the time. So the settlor had the trust drafted to include, my son shall have the option to select, and then the address of the property, as part of his distributive share. A year after requested by him, he received a copy of his mother's trust. The trustee assured him the property was his. Considering that he had lived at the residence and all of his possessions and his wife continued to occupy the property for a time. Upon his release a year later, he was told to vacate the property because it was in escrow. The trustee claimed he showed no interest in the house the previous year. So he used his powers um, in, based on letters indicating concerns about being released to the area. Did the option give the beneficiary any rights? The option of the trust doesn't specify a time or option price or procedures or anything that can be done. Uh, the beneficiary lost the home and was denied the proceeds without being presented that option. Well, uh, it, it raises really a, a pretty interesting question because uh, you can't kind of wait indefinitely to do something like that. But if notice wasn't given of the intent to sell or anything like that and, and, nothing, and the beneficiaries weren't talked about that's a, or weren't talked to about that, that's a pretty serious matter. I don't know what this person may be able to do at this point. Uh, certainly, they are entitled to their distributive share of the estate. If the trust of the mother indicated that, it might be too late to do anything to get that specific property because it's already been sold. Okay. All right. Here's uh, another one involving a house, parents' house, and Children, my parents left their house to the five of us in a living trust. My dad died about 10 years ago, and my sister was staying there at the time. She's been living there ever since. Won't budge. The house is getting run down because she doesn't have the means to care for it properly. How can I make her move out and or sell the house? It was supposed to be split evenly five ways. I will give you two-word answer to that. Partition action. I've talked about this before on the show. Whenever you have multiple owners of a piece of real estate and one of them or more wants to sell and one or more refuse to do anything, the ones who want to sell can go to court and request that the court order the property to be sold and the proceeds partitioned, meaning divided up, between the various owners in the percentage that their ownership interest appears. In this case, it would be five ways, 20% each. This person can force the sale. The hope is that before filing this partition action, 
the sister that has been squatting in the property apparently for the last 10 years, uh, not paying for anything, uh, that that sister will decide to move out rather than be sued and uh, be forced to move out um, by court action. Okay, here's uh, out of San Diego, one uh, actually from this morning. If I'm giving, am I giving up the right to receive the balance due from an estate? If I deposit a check from the trustee from my late mother's trust, where the amount of the check doesn't equal the remaining cash assets stated on the final trust accounting. They sent a check for X amount, and the accounting shows Y amount, which is greater than X. All trustee, attorney, realtor, final accounting fees and taxes are already listed as paid, and the liability schedule shows no outstanding liabilities. I agreed with the final accounting. Should I send the check back if they don't send me the balance? Of course, I send an email asking for an explanation. Sometimes the attorney answers, sometimes she doesn't. Um, she's licensed and bonded in the state of California. Actually, I guess that's the trustee. It's, it's why it's difficult to fathom that she and her attorney would completely ignore their own numbers. The catch here is I need part of the money to retain an attorney to petition the court to demand the balance due, but I don't want to cash the check if it means forfeiting such a large difference. Well, first of all, unless the check has on it that it is the final distribution, unless there's a note on that in the memo to that effect, I would write in, partial distribution, and then negotiate the check. Uh, following up, letting them know that you have negotiating the, you have negotiated the partial distribution uh, from the trust and you expect to have the remaining amount distributed as quickly as possible. Uh, that is what I would direct somebody to do at this point. Okay, so we got about a minute left in this second segment of the show today. And uh, I just wanted to uh, let you know that uh, when I finish out the show, I'll be covering more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, you can, uh, uh, you can um, easily contact me through, uh, through my website at lawbob.com. You can book a consultation with me there. Or you can call me at 408-247-0444. But we'll be back after the mid-show break in just a few minutes. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back to the third segment of our show today. Out of Long Beach, California. <clears throat> Someone raises this situation. My mother was married to my stepfather for 45 years. So it sounds like that, that uh, second marriage or third marriage was the one that actually took hold. Uh, I went to view my stepfather's will. It did not look like his signature at all. My mother and I would sign his checks for him because his signature was so um, illegible. How can I find out if his will was forged? I can't afford a handwriting analysis. His sister isn't even bearing him, and his plot is 100% paid for. 
what can I do? Okay, well, you may not be able to do much of anything. Um, you're a stepchild. You, unless you were named in the will, you may not have any particular rights at all. Um, I would say, um, if you think that the that the, first of all, I'd say take a copy of the will, and if you have things signed by your stepfather, uh, compare that. Have a bunch of other people just look at it, and uh, really, if if you think that it's a forgery, you're gonna have to bite the bullet. And get a handwriting analysis if you think it's actually been forged. Um, there's no real way around that. Uh, you, If it's submitted to probate or filed as his will for probate, you could always challenge it. But then you have to be prepared to actually prove that, um, that it is a forgery. Uh, the burden of proving it's a forgery would be on you, the person that is complaining about it. So that might be uh, cost prohibitive, but I can't think of uh, any other thing that could be done uh, other than that. All right. Okay, here's a a kind of a strange one that comes out of San Francisco. Um, Says, my husband made a trust with me back in 1998. Since then, He has made multiple amendments that basically have given him everything. Let's put a pause right there. If you made a trust with your spouse, there's no way that your spouse could just make amendments to that trust without you agreeing to those amendments. If it's a joint trust, it takes two to party, two to tango, two to make changes to a joint trust. So, One spouse making amendments to a joint trust is meaningless. Now, she goes on to say the last amendment he made was in 2014. Now I'm no longer a beneficiary or trustee of the trust assets. I was wondering if I can file a lawsuit against my husband to cancel all the trust amendments he has made or whether it's too late. Well, it sounds like the husband is still alive. You can file a lawsuit to cancel everything. It's called filing for divorce or dissolution of the marriage. And and I circle back to there's no way amendments to the trust could be made that have any legal effect whatsoever unless both the spouses signed such an amendment. So there's something not being said here. Uh, There's missing information. It's not too late if the person's still alive. Uh, I would say whoever this is needs to take take the trust and take the so-called amendments and have an estate planning attorney review them to determine whether or not the amendments are valid at all. Uh, because, like I said, you cannot unilaterally amend a joint trust. Both parties who created the trust, uh, married couple, have to agree to any changes to that trust. That's why it's called a joint trust trust. Okay. So here, um, if I have a trust and a bank account in the name of my trust, and the bank requires me to list the trust beneficiaries, do I need to include every beneficiary mentioned in the trust instrument or just the successor trustee? 
It's unclear if one post states or replace the other. For example, does the bank designation overwrite the designations in the trust document? I have a short answer to this. Find another bank. A bank has really no business asking who the beneficiaries of your trust are. They have a right to ask who the successor trustees of your trust are, but they have no right to ask who your beneficiaries are. That's private. That's between you and the beneficiaries and your attorney and God, and it's none of the bank's business. So if they're insisting on that, I would say, fine, I'm closing out my account or accounts and I'm going across the street to the bank that doesn't ask me for personal confidential information about my estate plan. And yes, I have advised people over the years to quit their bank and find another bank that's not going to be so difficult or not trying to overreach and get information to which they are not entitled. Okay. Out of Costa Mesa, California, someone says, I have a uniform statutory form power of attorney for my executors. Okay, I'm not sure what the relevance of executors is there. It does not become effective until I've incapacitated. Okay, I want one of the people named who is also on my advanced health care directive to have immediate power for financial issues if my health declines and I need someone to have authority to use my finances even if I'm not incapacitated. I want the other agent on the power of attorney who's closing my accounts not to have authority until I'm dead. How do I go about doing that? Well, first of all, if it's a financial power of attorney and you have died, there is no more financial power of attorney as a matter of law. Period. End of statement. So really what has to happen is you name the first person as under immediate authority. The second person has what's called springing authority, meaning they only take over if you're incapacitated. But when you're dead, that financial power of attorney has no legal effect anymore. A lot of people think, oh, well, I've named someone on my power of attorney so they can handle things after I've died. No. The only one who can handle anything after you've died would be the person named on an advanced health care directive if, in fact, you have given authority under that advanced directive to last for a certain amount of time after you have died. For example, to authorize them to uh, request an autopsy or something like that. So you can't really use an online form. This person wanted to use an online form. Can't really use an online form for this because it's going to take some special drafting of the power of attorney to reflect what they're really trying to say here. Uh, but like I said, for the third time, your power of attorney authority ends the moment you take your last breath and pass on. Okay, from Los Angeles, California. Person says, in my mother's living trust, it stated that the trustee, my sister, may deem it necessary or advisable to pay for the satisfaction of my special needs. This refers to 
the requisites for maintaining my good health, safety, and welfare. It shall include but not be limited to dental care, special equipment, programs of training and education, travel needs, and recreation. Now that sounds closer to a general needs trust, but special needs can include those things. I have received absolutely no financial assistance for my special needs. I desperately need to see a dentist for four porcelain crowns. My car is broken down. I have no decent form of transportation. I've been homeless since 2018, living on the streets. My bicycle is damaged from a collision with a bus, and to be honest, I'm below the level to manage my life. There's a lot more to talk about. Well, okay, this person, if their sister's in charge of assets that are supposed to be there to take care of her, then the sister is not doing a good job. The sister's doing a crap job of using funds to take care of the sister that needs assistance. And I suspect, without knowing anything further, that it's because everything is left to the sister in charge um, after the sister who needs help dies, which means that sister in charge really has no personal interest in spending any money to take care of her sister that needs help because every dollar she spends is one less dollar she'll get in the future when her sister dies. And sister living on the street since 2018, um, there is a, a much higher likelihood that she will die sooner rather than later because of poor medical care, because of being attacked by someone on the street. All kinds of things can happen. Uh, people living on the street do not have the same kind of life expectancy as people with access to proper housing and also proper medical care. So here, I would say this person, go to legal aid where you are, explain the situation, see if they can't take some action on your behalf to have the sister removed as the trustee because she is not looking out for the interests of the child that the parent wanted to be cared for, which is not happening. Okay, coming up on the final segment of our show today, when we come back, I will finish out with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And, uh, and then we'll wrap it up for today. So, this is Attorney Bob Bergman for Plan Your State Radio. See you on the other side of this break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon and welcome to the final segment of our show today. Out of Whittier, California, here's a situation. Father passed away, mom is in poor health. My sister lives at the house. Notice how many of these you've got a, a, a child living at the house. Uh, sister lives at the house, is taking control over my mom, no power of attorney. Sister ordered new bank card from dad's business account while he was alive and in the hospital for COVID. The day he died, for 15 days straight, 
withdrew $1,000 out of his account until I froze the account. On top of forging his signature on all the titles, truck, motorcycles, etc., to add mom on no death certificate at the time, she has dad's wallet and cell phone, pretends to be mom through text on mom's phone. She's already sold one of dad's motorcycles with a fake title. I have proof of the $15,000 stolen from bank statements, printed out texts of her telling other family members what she's going to do, and I have one of the trucks to show that she committed these acts. Dad had no will or trust. She won't let me see Mom when at the same time I ask Mom a question, Sister answers for her, or Mom looks to her before answering. Sister decides who sees Mom never leads room when somewhere is near Mom. She constantly slanders, lies, and harasses me, threats to arrest me, having me fired my job, having my newborn taken away. I'll give you three initials. APS, Adult Protective Services. This is in Whittier, which um, Whittier, California, which, as I recall, uh, don't quote me on this. I think Whittier is in, uh, let's see, in Los Angeles County. Um, And... uh, So the Los Angeles County Adult Protective Services Department would be the people to call for something like this. And this is for anybody out there. If you think uh, a caregiver or another individual or a family member are physically, mentally, or financially abusing an elder, you can always contact Adult Protective Services, voice your concerns, and they will conduct an investigation. They will check up on the person to see what's going on. If they find that the person is being taken advantage of, they have the power to step in, freeze accounts, uh, and also arrest and charge the person who has been engaged in these activities. So don't sit back and watch it happen if you suspect it's going on. I believe you can actually report things anonymously to Adult Protective Services uh, confidentially so that they will do a welfare check and find out what's going on, talk with the person, um, and and if someone refuses uh, the welfare check, then they have the authority to, uh, to get the police involved to make that happen. So that is something I, I hear about these things all the time. And it always angers me when I hear about especially a child taking financial advantage of an elderly parent. It's despicable, it's disgusting, and it's also illegal. And in extreme cases, someone can end up doing jail time, and that will be the least of their problems. Okay, out of Murrieta, California, someone said, My stepmother, whose successor trustee of the trust she had with my father, provided me a copy of their trust, but it doesn't look accurate. There are multiple misspelled names and words. Well, I've seen that fairly frequently. The sections are out of order. 
I need to see the untampered version from the drafting lawyer to confirm. How can I get the lawyer to provide it? Well, first of all, the lawyer is not really going to provide it. They're going to tell you to go to the trustee. Unfortunately, if you suspect that it, this is not the true trust, you might actually need to file a contest of that trust so that you can uh, get behind that and then maybe uh, get an order from the court requesting a copy of the trust from the drafting attorney, assuming there, in fact, is a drafting attorney at all, because I'm not necessarily convinced that if it's filled with misspelled names and misspelled words and sections are out of order, that it was prepared by an attorney. If it was prepared by an attorney, it's likely a massively incompetent attorney. And and yes, believe it or not, uh, they do actually exist. I'm going to say one last thing on the show today as we have about a minute to go. It appears that the Russians are announcing that they have achieved their objective and they're, they're going to now focus on liberating the Donbass region of Ukraine, which sounds like they're going to start withdrawing from their advanced positions and backing out of the country. Right now, their forces near Kiev are um, actually kind of surrounded by Ukrainian forces. So we'll see how this plays out. We may be looking at an end of this incursion, and then all the fallout comes after that. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. I hope you have a great weekend. Pray for the end of the war in Ukraine. Until next week, goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.